This is Daniel and Vicki Hagedorn with the PK4L podcast, where we talk about all things parenting. It has actually been a while since I have been with you. And like everyone else, going through COVID has been a challenge. We had to completely pivot and redo a lot of things. And it's really only been in the last couple months that things have actually started kind of coming back online. So I'm really happy to be with you. Uh, we plan on broadcasting these on a pretty regular basis again and picking this back up. We're also on Substack, so you can check us out there. I'll put a description in the show notes so that you can check that out. I have blog posts as well as all of the podcast episodes there as well. But one of the things I wanted to dig into that's been on my heart especially to talk about is our current public school system. Now, a lot of parents have in the last couple of years become what we like to call affectionately accidental homeschoolers. You did not sign up for this. You did not want to do it, but because of the restrictions placed on your school, you were forced to essentially take over. And one of the things that happened, I was going to suggest to you that this is actually a silver lining to it all, is that parents started to realize just how much of their children's time is wasted at school. They also started to find out that the teachers at these schools are teaching their kids things that they quite frankly, object to and had no idea were being taught to their own children. And so as a consequence, parents have gotten really upset. You've seen them at school board meetings. You've seen them basically go off. And you know what? When you're talking about your own kid, I get it. It makes sense. It is really, really hard to sit there and watch what's going on in the schools if you're a parent and not speak up. And I think what's happened is, you know, for a long time, if you asked parents for the last probably two decades or maybe even more, hey, what do you think is going on with the public school system? You would have gotten some variation of, yeah, the system definitely needs to be fixed. There's definitely some problems. Uh, but nothing really concrete, nothing along the lines of, hey, we need to shut it all down right now. It's causing irrevocable, wow, I just made up a new word there, irrevocable harm to our kids. And this is something that parents are just no longer willing to really put up with. They're kind of saying, hey, we expect more for our tax dollars. And they're they're kind of taken aback. They're actually somewhat surprised at how things are going, that, that things have actually gotten this bad. Well, I, I hate to tell you, but things have been this bad for quite a while. And you know, we could, if it were simply an accident, if it were simply a matter of something being overlooked or a series of unfortunate mistakes that were made, we might be able to overlook it. We might be able to see past what's being done in the public school system in America. But 
The problem is that it is not a mistake. It is actually a product of design. In fact, I'm going to dig into this very subject the more we get into this particular episode. But let me just say this right now. If you look at what the people who started our public school system said about the purpose of public education, in other words, the so-called founding fathers of America's public school system, If you listen to what they said was the purpose of the public school system, you would have to come to the conclusion that public school in America is the most successful program ever implemented in all of our national history. It has been a top to bottom success based on what the so-called founding fathers of public school said the purpose was. Now, you're probably wondering, wow, that sounds absolutely crazy. I mean, look at how much problems we're currently having with public school. How can you say it's a success? Well, remember, my caveat is based on what they said. Now, I wanted to actually just read some excerpts out of my book uh, where I'm quoting this because, you know, I don't want to offer, hey, this is my opinion on what so-and-so said. I want to tell you this is what so-and-so said. Now, one of the things that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up a little bit and give us a little history here. So this all starts with Napoleon and his defeat of the Prussian armies at Osterstadt. And um, there was one other battle whose name escapes me right now. But Osterstadt was the, the main one. And so when Napoleon defeated them, the Prussians came to the conclusion that their soldiers were thinking for themselves, that they were um, independent, and, and that independent thinking had actually cost them the victory against Napoleon. Now, remember, at this time, this is prior to the German Prussian, well, there is no Germany. There's only these Prussian city-states. And then later, in 1870, von Bismarck would bring these Prussian city-states together and form what we now know as modern-day Germany. But back then, these were these Prussian city-states. And at that time, most of them were mercenaries. For example, Hesse, which was a province in, back then, Prussia, uh, they fought in the Revolutionary War on behalf of the British. Well, if you are a mercenary and you are losing battles, you're not going to be doing very well. (laughs) You're, in fact, going to go out of business really quickly. So this was something that was very much on the minds and very much the focus of the Prussians in the aftermath of their defeat to Napoleon. So they said, okay, what can we do? And they developed a three-tiered school system. And so this school system is divided up into these three tiers. And again, the purpose was to create obedient soldiers for the army They wanted to create obedient workers for the factories and the mines. They wanted to create a well-subordinated group of civil servants for the government. They wanted to create well-subordinated clerks for industry. And then they wanted to create a large mass of citizens who shared a national consensus on all major issues. Again, and of course, the consensus would be prescribed by the edutocracy. So what happened was you had roughly about half a percent to 1% of the population that was actually taught to think. 
and they attended something called the Academy Schulen. Okay. And they learned to think strategically. They learned to think contextually in holes. They learned complex processes. They studied useful knowledge, history. They wrote a lot. They argued often. They read deeply. They mastered the tasks of command. These are people who emerge from the Academy Schulen as independent thinkers, which by the way, is supposedly what our public school system is supposed to produce. If you go off of what's plastered to the walls, when parents go to back to school tonight and say, oh yeah, we're cranking out independent critical thinkers. Of course, nothing could be further from the truth. Do you think for one second, our system could even be in place if we actually were raising young men and women who were critical thinkers, who could actually think independently, they would shut the system down themselves. So that's the first tier. Now, the second tier of the system, this comprised maybe five and a half to seven and a half percent of the population. They were taught to, to partially think, and they attended something called the Realschulen. Now, the Realschulen, these are sort of intended mostly as a manufactory for the professional proletariat of engineers, architects, doctors, lawyers, career civil servants, basically the assistants uh, to the policy thinkers, right? These are the people that are acquiring a, a kind of a superficial capacity to think, but mostly it's about managing materials and people. They're kind of the, the problem solvers. They're the arms and legs of the Academy Schulen. And, and of course, they also make up the kind of policing portion of the state. Now, 92 to 94% of the population, they were taught to actually reject independent thinking. They were taught to obey authority without question. They were there to promote collective cooperation, and they attended something called the Volschulen. They would become the compliant masses that simply served the upper two tiers of Prussian society. This is how John Taylor Gatto described Prussia's educratic vision. And by the way, John Taylor Gatto, brilliant. I highly recommend all of his work. I'll put a link in the show description for his, his stuff too because he's, he's amazing. But this is how he described Prussia's vision for education. This particular utopia had a different target than human equality. It aimed instead for frictionless efficiency. From its inception, Volschulen, the people's place, heavily discounted reading. Reading, after all, produced dissatisfaction, it was thought. Reading offered too many windows onto better lives, too much familiarity with better ways of thinking. It was a gift unwise to share with those permanently consigned to a low station in life. And so in Prussia's efforts to create this frictionless society, they would then divide the curriculum into a series of increasingly unrelated subjects all of which were completely separated from one another. So in the classical sense, you used to be taught things as a contextual whole. In other words, mathematics was connected to literature, which was connected to history, which was connected to science, which was connected to reading, which was connected and so forth. It was all connected. It was, it was taught as a kind of holistic um, pedagogy instead of this 
highly compartmentalized subjects. And so you're kind of so disconnected from the larger whole that your thinking becomes fragmented because you're no longer being presented how all of this fits together. Rather, it's being splintered off and taught to you in increasingly meaningless chunks. And if you think I'm exaggerating, talk to a kid in high school. They will tell you, and I, I did this, I taught for, I'm still teaching, but for 18 years, I pull my students, I'm like, hey, look, how much of your education do you even consider valuable? How much of it do you even think is benefiting you in some way? And, you know, they were honest. They said, you know, Mr. Agman, maybe 20%, 80% of our time is a complete waste. It just is a complete waste. We're not learning anything. We're not really benefiting anything. We mostly just do a lot of busy work. And then we cram for a test and regurgitate whatever the teacher tells us is true or whatever our textbook tells us is true. And if we can regurgitate that successfully, we get rewarded with an A. But it isn't like we're actually learning something. And that, of course, is the whole point. Now, in Prussia's system, again, they had a a very, very different view of things. Although this is exactly what happens here. I think AP classes and honors classes and quote regular classes and all kinds of other remedial classes. And there, there's a whole mix and there's a, a lot of really nice sounding names, but at the end of the day, they are creating a tiered system. And this tiered system is based around the idea that there's a very small group that are actually taught to think, and then everyone else is, is effectively taught to obey this small group of elite. Now, you had people like Elward Cubbley and G. Stanley Hall and John Dewey and Edward Thorndike who thought that these Prussian ideas were so wonderful, they simply had to become the foundation of America's public school system. And so they fought and they fought and they fought, and finally, by about 1890, the public school system as we know it was formulated in America. Now, one of the things that people don't realize is that the major contributors to education by far up until 1915 were the Fords and the Carnegies, the Guggenheims, and the Vanderbilts, the elite families. Why would they be so invested in education? Or they just do they just love everyone that much? Are they just that much of a a fan of humanity? No. What they understood very early on from really in the aftermath of the Civil War is that kids drive purchases. And based on that core idea, there are two things that they discovered. The first is bored people make the best consumers. And when I say bored, I'm not talking about boredom in a useful sense. You know, when when people are in a state of boredom, it sometimes is actually a real spark to creativity because you have to entertain yourself. You have to figure out some way that you are going to do something meaningful or useful with your time. You want to learn something or you want to study something or you're just create a game or anything. Bottom line is you're using your creativity to work yourself out of the boredom. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a system that trains you to endure boredom. Talk to kids. Have a conversation with a teenager. Ask them if they are bored at school. Just ask them. I can almost guarantee you they're going to tell you, yes, there are. Now, there are some good schools out there. I'm not, I'm not saying all schools are bad. And certainly some public schools are better than others. But, but fundamentally, 
this is something that is in the DNA of the public school system. Therefore, the public school system continues to just spew this out. It's in the, it's in the drinking water now at this point. And so people are passing this on and they're not even realizing what they're passing on. It's just how they've done it for generations now, dating back to 1890. So the first thing is they realize that kids drive purchases the major industrialists of the time up until about 1915 were the largest contributors by far to public education in America. The reason being that they realized, okay, since kids drive purchases, school needs to be a place that trains kids to endure boredom. It needs to be a boring place. The second thing they realized is that childish consumers are the easiest to manipulate. So now we have to extend childhood as long and far as possible. And this is why we now have 35-year-old man-childs that are living in mom's basement and just, you know, playing video games all day and, and you know, working at Starbucks. Now, look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, you know, make fun of people. I, I'm not trying to purposely um, offend anyone, but, you know, we, we need to kind of realize what is being done. And, and honestly, uh, yes, everybody is accountable and responsible for their own decisions. But but I have to say that the millennial generation and the Gen Zers have been really given a bad hand. They have been dealt a bad hand. Now, everybody's, you know, and everybody, like I said, they're responsible for your own life. But it is important to acknowledge that, that this this hand that has been dealt is, is not been a good one. So Childish consumers are the easiest to manipulate. Now, the interesting thing to think about and realize is that up until 100 years ago, the term adolescent did not even exist. That wasn't even a thing. It was invented by the educational psychologists that created our public school system. And so the other interesting thing about all of this is that the people that created the, the system did so as a way of training a very specific way of thinking. And it's been so successful that most people cannot even imagine education any differently. You know, I, I like I said, I've been a teacher for 18 years. One of the things I realized early on is that there is no way in the world we were going to put our daughter in public school. And I realized, I will say right off the bat, I, I get it, that homeschooling is not an option for everyone. And we certainly had to make a lot of sacrifices personally to make that happen. But I get it. You know, life is tough. It's it's a hard time to be a human being and not everybody has the option to homeschool. I get it. I totally do. But let me just say this. With homeschooling, one of the things that we that I realized and why I had such a conviction about it is because I saw what was going on in the system firsthand. I had a front row seat to it. I've taught in public school, private school, homeschool co-ops. I mean, I've taught every type of school there is, and, and, I, and I've seen it. And I realized the destruction that happens to the mind of kids in the public school system. And I did everything I could to kind of break them out of that. But it's still, it's really tough. Because people cannot see education any differently. And one of the things early on that we had is we had a lot of, you know, friends and, and family members who were concerned and like, aren't you worried that you're going to mess your kids up by, by homeschooling? And I, I, first of all, I mean, I know they, they meant well, but I was really put off by the condescension in that. 
because my, my response was this. I said, so you're telling me that the public school system my wife and I attended made us so stupid and so incompetent that we are now incapable of educating our own daughter, but that's the same system you are trying to shame us into putting her into? Okay, walk me through that. And you know what? It was like crickets on the other side of that because what are they going to say? And again, I know not everybody has the option to homeschool, but what every parent does have the option to do is to be very intentional about their kid's education. Maybe they can homeschool. Maybe they can do a, some type of co-op situation. Maybe they can do like an a hybrid or something. All I'm saying, and, and again, if you, even if you are stuck and there's just no escaping it, you're, you're in the public school system, there is a lot you can do. And here's the good news. I want to just share this quick story. I'm going to close with this and we'll continue this conversation. But just to, to, to share on a, on a bit of, of encouragement uh, as we kind of delve into the public school system. Um, when we, when we decided to, to do that, uh, you know, and then homeschool our daughter and, and it made a huge difference. But one of the things that I took with me from being in public school was realizing that, you know, and I taught at a school where, you know, some kids were bust in. We had kids from the inner city. We had, it was, it was a mix. You know, we, we had uh, kids that were, um, you know, some of, some of them came from, you know, I mean, they had, you know, uh, BMW in the parking lot, you know, they, they drove in and other kids, you know, were getting bust in. I mean, we had a wide variety, but the interesting thing is no matter what, the number one thing had nothing to do with how much money the parents made. It had nothing to do with whether there was a mom or dad, although statistically kids do better when there's a mom and dad in the home. That's, that's a statistical reality. But here's the thing I saw from personal experience, the number one thing above and beyond all else, above and beyond all else was simply this, how intentional the parents and or parent was about their kid's education. That was the single biggest factor. So every parent can choose to be intentional. You can be a single mom in the inner city, or you can be a two-parent family in you know, a upper middle class. It, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that you are intentional. And I think that's just great news because it just speaks to the power that parents have, which is one of the things that my wife and I feel so strongly about is look, mom and dad, you are the number one expert on your own children. Do not let anyone ever tell you any differently. So we're going to continue. This is, I'm not even sure how many parts this is going to end up being because this is a really expansive subject, this idea of public school and the issues and things. And I've had so many questions about it. I've had so many conversations with parents about it uh, over just the last couple of years because they're saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe what's going on at my kid's school. Uh, I just felt like I really needed to speak into this. So we're going to be back into this and we'll continue the conversation. We'll continue digging in. Uh, like I said, I'm going to put the links in the show notes here for you guys uh, with the references that I mentioned. And then we will see you next time. Have a great day.